1 Kings chapter 12. I want to thank our music people that stepped in there at the last minute and uh, did a tremendous job, didn't they? Tremendous job. Yeah, very, very good. I, I feel uh, a little bit like Philip did last night. And they put this music out there, and then it's hard to follow, isn't it? Yeah. I'm telling you. You know, it's supposed to keep going up. <laughs> it's hard to do that sometimes. First Kings chapter 12. We're going to read about Rehoboam. And he is the son of Solomon. And we're going to think about how he lost the kingdom. How he lost the kingdom. And you can think about this. If you are a leader of anything, and which you are a leader of something, it may be the wrong thing, but you're the leader of something. There's some indicators here, some lessons for us to learn about leadership that can help us not lose the kingdom, not lose the whatever. So that's what we're going to look at today as we think about this. We're going to read the Word of God uh, and because it's more important than anything I got to say. It says, And Rehoboam went to Shechem, for all of Israel were come to Shechem to make him king. And it came to pass when Jeroboam, the son of Nebat, who was yet in Egypt, heard of it, for he was fled from the presence of King Solomon, and Jeroboam dwelt in Egypt, that they sent and called him. This is the northern tribes. They sent and called Jeroboam. And they called Jeroboam, and all the congregation of Israel came and spake unto Rehoboam, saying, Thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore, make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke, which he put upon us, lighter, and we will serve thee. And he said unto them, Depart yet for three days, and then come again to me. And the people departed, and Rehoboam consulted with the old men, that stood before Solomon his father, these are counselors, and while he yet uh, lived, and, and said, how do ye advise that I answer this people? Very important question there. He asked the old men that were counselors with the wisest man on the earth, Solomon, these men that were with him, he asked them their advice. It's always good to get good counsel. Now verse 7, and they spake unto him, saying, if thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, this day, if you'll be a servant today and will serve them and answer them and answer them and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. But he forsook the counsel of the old men which he had given him and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him and which stood before him. And he said unto them, What counsel give ye that ye may, uh, we may answer this people who have spoken to me, uh, saying, Make the yoke which thy father did put upon us lighter. And the young men that were grown up with him spake unto him, saying, Thus shalt thou speak unto this people that spake unto thee, saying, Thy father made our yoke heavy, but makest thou it lighter unto us, Thus shalt thou say unto them, My little finger shall be thicker than my father's loins. And now therefore, wherefore my father did lay thee with a heavy yoke, I will add to your yoke 
My father hath chastened thee with whips, but I will chasten thee with scorpions. So in the crowd, that group there, led by this man, so Jeroboam, and all the people came to Rehoboam the third day, as the king had appointed, saying, Come to me again the third day. And the king answered the people roughly and forsook the old men's counsel, for they gave him. And spake unto them after the counsel of the young men, saying, My father made your yokes heavy. I will add to your yoke. My father also chastened thee with whips. I will also chasten thee with scorpions. Verse 15. Key verse. Wherefore the king hearkened not to the people, for the cause was from the Lord, that he might perform his saying, which the Lord spake by Ahijah the Shunammite unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. So when all Israel saw that the king hearkened not unto them, the people answered the king, saying, What portion have we in David? Neither have we inheritance in the son of Jesse to your tents, O Israel. Now see to thine own house, David. So Israel departed unto their tents, and as for the children of Israel, which dwelt in the cities of Judah, Rehoboam reigned over them. Then Rehoboam sent Adoram, uh, who was over the tribute, this is the tax collector, by the way, and all of Israel stoned him with stones that he died. Therefore King Rehoboam made speed to get him up his chariot and uh, flee to Jerusalem. So Israel rebelled against the house of David unto this day. It goes on to say that he was going to go fight them, verse 22 to 24, but he got a word from God. This is thing, the things of God. You can't you can't fight a battle and win when you're fighting against the Lord's will. Be good for us to understand that. You cannot fight. You've got to pick and choose your battles. You've got to pick and choose to be on the Lord's side because you can't defeat the Lord's plan. It's going to work. Now, Rehoboam is the son of Solomon, as we said, and he's the king now. He's going to be coronated as king. And uh, it's an important chapter in the history of Israel, so it's important to us because Israel is important to the church and important to Christians. If you study the, think about the history of Israel, they are 12 tribes under David. They've finally been united under David. And then Solomon, they are united under his son Solomon. But now, after this chapter, there's going to be the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom the northern kingdom is going to be made up to ten tribes. They're going to have a, a, a capital in Samaria, a recently built city, and they're going to they're going to Jeroboam is going to establish a temple there at Bethel, where Abraham met with God. Right? He's going to go back. This is called the old Israel, and then the northern kingdom formulate that. And by the way, the reason he created that place of worship, he didn't want the people going back. To Jerusalem because if they go back to Jerusalem they're going to be influenced to come back to David right there's going to be a uniting again okay so the 12 the, the 10 tribes are the northern uh, part and they fall quickly into false worship because of, of the decisions of Jeroboam the leader now Judah and Benjamin are going to formulate the southern kingdom 
going to be called Judah. And it's going to be saved for the sake of David's name and to carry the seed all the way to the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ. God's not always interested in numbers. God's always got a remnant. Keep that in mind when you read your Bible. God's always got a remnant, and he's not interested in being the most popular. That's not in God's thoughts or not in his will. So Judah and Benjamin formed the southern kingdom, and it's for David's sake. And Judah is going to follow the same fate as Israel, the northern kingdom. The northern kingdom was conquered in 722 because of idolatry. 722 B.C. by the Assyrians. The northern kingdom is going to last longer. It's going to be 597. The Babylonians are going to surround Jerusalem March 16th. And they're going to be carried to Babylon. 70 years later, they're going to come back. And are going to build the temple, the walls, and reestablish the nation of Israel. And we'll see it continue to the time of Christ. So you got an overview of the Old Testament right there. Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, grew up in the king's palace. He knew the life of luxury. And he knew his life was that people obeyed him. People looked up to him. People respected him. This is what he knew. When you're raising your family, you need to consider that uh, you got to make sure your kids learn the lessons of life. That they need to learn. Rehoboam never knew the struggles of his grandfather David. David, from a, a, a boy, he was a shepherd boy. And then he became a military hero. And then finally God anointed him as king through Saul, the prophet. These experiences gave him wisdom and compassion and understanding. That's required of good leaders. Solomon was Rehoboam's father, and he knew because of his father, David, probably transferred that information to a great extent to him. So we have David and Solomon, two qualified leaders, and David established the the nation, and then Solomon solidified the nation in his day, built the place of worship, built the king's palace and those things, and now it's handed over to Rehoboam. Rehoboam probably knew a lot about pleasure. Probably watched a lot of cartoons on television. There's a great division between the life of of Rehoboam and the life of the common person that lived in Israel. A big difference. Now he goes to Shechem for all of Israel to make him king. At this, event, at this event, he's expecting to be coronated, but he's confronted by a leader of the ten northern tribes. Confrontation does not go well when you have little experience and little character. Confrontation is thought of as a bad thing when you have little character and little experience. Confrontation is the answer to the problems. None of us wanted to hear that, did we? You got to have a talk. You got to lay it out on the table. Amen? 
so you can move forward with wisdom and unity. See, there was a growing division that had been there all along, and the problems here, you know, they led to its reestablishment, and, and the problem's always there. The, 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 the destruction of the church has always been here. Let's say it that way. The downfall of the church has always been there. There's always someone who will resurrect it. I wonder what his real name is. It's always there. So he goes to the place to be coronated and he's confronted. And they say, we got a problem. I hate that, don't y'all? How many, how many people, you just, you know, I just had a great morning. I just had my coffee, and I'm ready to go build the temple of God and do the work of God. And then somebody says, we got a problem. <laughs> how many times have we had that experience with the expectation of a great day to be interrupted with we have a problem? Rehoboam didn't create the problem either, but it's expected to handle it. How many times has that happened to you? Quite often, I'm sure, if you've ever really been involved. So Rehoboam, first day on the job, is he's got a confrontation. They, they, they can't go forward. They're not going to go forward and, until there's a decision to be made. We've got to make a decision. Most of the time in leaders, we're thinking, oh, just get on board. The problem, verse 4, it's stated there. It says that, And thy father made our yoke grievous. Now therefore make thou the grievous service of thy father and his heavy yoke which he hath put upon us lighter. And guess what? We'll serve thee. Pretty good offer if you really look into it. Can anybody agree to that? Pretty good offer. Now, here's the deal. What they're questioning in modern day for us to get, how are you going to manage? He's a new guy. It's time for us. We've been thinking this for a long time. We had no voice before. We've got a voice now. We voice our our opinion here. We want to make our statement. And they're really asking, how are you going to manage forward? Every person in a leadership position needs to learn their philosophy and management and make sure it's following Christ. How are you going to manage? Well, without experience working with people as co-equals, he's been up here. Without the experience of working with people, co-equal, because, by the way, the Bible teaches whether you be pastor or member, whether you be boss or employee, we're all the same. Until a leader sees that, there's no hope for success. A boss on the job. You're the boss. You own the company. With the attitude that you're God, you're going to lose a lot of good people. But if you just give people a break, you can get a lot accomplished. And so this thing is blowing up in his face without character, without development of character through working through trouble, without maturity, without spirituality. By the way, you can have all the spirituality in the world, but until you step off the throne in your own heart, you're never going to be a, a good leader. And you're going to be accused of being that way anyway. So th- this, this sign here, this thing going on, is, is a sign of the growing division 
among the nation. There's a growing division amongst the nation. The problems did not start today. They've been there. They just show up today. And guess what he says to them? I mean, they say to him, they say, they say basically this. We have to work too hard to earn our living. And the taxes are too high. Can anybody say amen? amen. That's, exactly, that's exactly what they say. Too big a tax bill. And that's a reasonable request. Now, you know, when I got to studying this, I, I don't know, I got some, through my studies, I got the idea of looking back at the French Revolution. I would advise you to study the French Revolution. You can just, nobody's hiding what really went on in the French Revolution. You know, the, the, the progressives don't hide what went on in the French Revolution. But in the French Revolution, there's basically three problems. The social difference between the, the haves and the have-nots. The leaders, employees, government, the big social difference or the difference between them and the common people, guess what? Unable to pay government debts. I, I'm not going to let you guess the third one because I know you know it. Price of food was too high. Really, French Revolution, look it up, study it. The elite, looking down at the common people, Unable to pay, finance their government debt, and the food prices. Where are we sitting at right now? About 31 trillion? Is it 31 or 31 and a half trillion? Think about that. And by the way, I, I, I studied in the comments a couple years ago that I haven't forgot what he said. He said the government debt's not going to be a problem until it gets to be 50 trillion. Now, when he said that, what he meant was this it's not going to have to be. Dealt with until it gets to be 50 trillion. And then you don't have any options whatsoever. I thought that was a lot higher than I thought it would be. I, right? 50 trillion. So keep your eyes open if you live long enough. Three or four years from now. Too big a tax bill. The elites ruling over the common people. And the price of food. Rehoboam's response is a good one at first, okay? He gives us some lessons that we need to learn. Someone, uh, Solomon, I suppose, or somehow or another, he learned, he, he makes a good decision. In verse 5, he says, give me a little time to think about this. That's good, isn't it? When you're faced with something that you did not expect, it's great to be able to think. If, if you hadn't already thought about it, it would be a good thing for you to do, to think. He said, give me three days and then I'll give you an answer. And then he sought advice. That's a great thing for us to learn. He sought counsel. In, in verse 6, he says, and, and Rehoboam consulted the old men that stood before Solomon, his father, while he was yet alive. These are the counselors of Solomon. Hey, the, it don't get any better than that. Right? Proverbs 15, verse 22. Listen, it says, Proverbs 15, 22. I've got it written down here where I could just read it. Without counsel, purposes are disappointed. But in the multitude of counselors, they are established. Don't run from counsel. And don't run from people that think the same way as you do for counsel. You already know what they're going to say. 
Proverbs 12, verse 15 says, The way of the fool, boy, this is a good one. The way of the fool is right in his own eyes. He that hearkeneth to counsel is wise. Until you determine that you can be foolish, you've got a lot to learn. And that means you have to determine that you don't know everything. Learn it quickly. Or learn it the hard way. Proverbs chapter 11 verse 14. Where no counsel is, the people fall. But in the multitude of counselors, there is safety. Now he gets two pieces of counsel if you really want to think about it. He really only gets one. One from the older men and one from the, his peers. Verse 10 and 11, the counsel of the old men. He gets that. They'd been with Solomon. Their word, verse 7, let's look at their word. And they spake unto him, saying, If thou wilt be a servant unto this people this day, and will serve them, and answer them, and speak good words to them, then they will be thy servants forever. Wow, what a good piece of advice. Wouldn't you agree? What a great counsel. He said, if you'll serve, if you'll have a servant attitude today, if you will serve today. Now, that's a biblical qualification for leadership in the church, by the way. That's a biblical qualification for leadership in the church. Not to be domineering, but to be a servant. Well, if I ever get in there, I'm going to straighten it all out. That's not going to work. Sometimes when we rotate, one of the things about being here so long, when we rotate through leaders, uh, sometimes the new leaders want to kick everything out that the last person's put in place, and they don't even understand why they put those things in place. It'd be a good thing to dis- determine why that's there before you throw it out. A good leader has to have a servant spirit. It is a privilege to lead God's people. It's a privilege to serve in the Lord's church in any type of leadership. Kings and presidents and and, and shift leaders and husbands and all. It's a privilege to be a leader. If you are a husband, you are a leader in your home. It's a privilege. Take it seriously. Take it with gratefulness. Matthew chapter 23 Verse 11 and 12, Matthew 23, 11 and 12. But he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. And whosoever shall exalt himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. Had a disgruntled church member uh, three or four years ago that doesn't come here anymore say, You have a lot of pride. I said, when did you discover that truth about me that I've known all of my life? I thought I had it hid better than that. I tore his argument right in pieces because he was just going to argue with me over pride. Do I need... Lord, you ought to have been here for as long as some of these other people. They don't even bring that up anymore. It's so bad. Brother and sister, we all have to hold it down. Don't we all put up, we have to 
put pressure on our pride, don't we? Have to push it down. Our best example is our Lord Jesus, though, isn't it? That's what he said. That's what he said. If you want to be the greatest of all, be humble. We see him washing the feet of those men, those disciples of his. We see him washing his feet, that, washing their feet. That's one of the good pictures that really paint the character of Jesus. Although he was Lord of Lord and King of Kings, he washed his disciples' feet. Peter said, you'll never wash my feet. I don't blame him for saying that. That's probably the most humble Peter was in that whole week. And then the Lord said, i got to wash your feet. He said, wash me all over then. And the Lord said, I don't need to wash you all over. You've been washed all over. I just need to clean your feet. Humility. We see Jesus bearing the cross to Calvary, don't we? He carried that cross for all of us, his humility. I don't understand, I don't comprehend that the King of kings and Lord of Lord could do that, except that he is the greatest of all. We see Jesus as a servant leader. We see him still today as a servant. He is seated at the right hand of the Father, and guess what? He is there for our sake. He forever serves us. When we get to heaven... He'll still be serving us. There's a great piece of information over that Paul gave us over in uh, Philippians chapter 2. And I cannot run through this without bringing it to our attention. Philippians chapter 2 verse 3 to 7. And it's a great passage that we need to learn and we need to apply. We need to put it to work in our life. It'll make work go better. It, you'll get along with the, those sorry people that always, you know, makes your life so miserable at work. You know who them sorry people are that make your life miserable at work? You. They can't do much more to you than you can handle. The promise of Scripture is that God will not allow more to be on your plate than you can deal with. But listen to Philippians 2. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory. That's a good starting place. Let nothing be done through strife. I'm going to get them, even if you're going to get them with kindness. Nothing be done through strife or vainglory. So in other words, if you're going to do something uh, that looks to be like a humble lamb and you're doing it with the wrong attitude, you need to get right with God before you proceed. He said, but let it in lowliness, be done in lowliness of mind. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Now, I didn't say others. It means that one individual, whoever that might be at the time. Let not every, uh, he said, look not every man on his own things. Look not every man on his own things. And it doesn't say, that doesn't mean don't take care of responsibilities that you have. But he says, bring down the priority of your selfishness and think about this in a way that the other people may be looking at it. See, your values and my values are, are most often different. And if we are having a conflict, it's usually a conflict of values. And when I only can see, when I can only see my values and not see yours, I may be missing out on a good person that has great ideals, but I just haven't seen their values yet. You say, preacher, how'd you learn that? Many mistakes. But every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you which was also in Christ Jesus. 
He's talking about what he has said and what he's going to say. He said, who being in the form of God, he is the form, he is, the, he is God in the flesh, thought it not robbery or stealing anything to be equal with God. He was God in the flesh, equal with God in spirit, equal with the Father. Amen? Jesus is our equal with the Father and the Spirit. There is one God, equality. Amen? Expressed in three persons, Father, Son, and Spirit. He thought it not equal, he robbery, to steal that equality with the Father who is a spirit, but made of himself no reputation. Jesus wasn't interested in his reputation. His character is what counted. His, he, 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 it was his character. He said, made himself no reputation. Took upon him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men. We'll stop there, it goes on. How he was humbled by death, and death, death is a humbling experience for all of us. But sure enough, if you're an eternal God, humbled and then lifted up above all things, Lord of Lord and King of Kings. Now, Jesus had that servant spirit, and we need to learn from him. Yep. Now, back to Rehoboam, we can learn from the Council of Rehoboam. We can learn from that counsel. And, and then the answer that he gave. He, the, the, the counsel, answer, answer in a, a, a humble way. The, the, to, it's to answer in a, in a servant spirit. Good attitude, good words, correct words. I'm going to get into choosing your words because... Some of you just say things without thinking about what you're saying. You think, well, that's me. That's real. Well, that's stupid, too. Sometimes you can be on target, but when you've got a big statement to make, you need to think about it, and if it's going to be something, you need to pray about it. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs, chapter 15, a soft answer turneth away wrath, but grievous words stir up anger. He's got some people that are full of fury coming to him. I mean, you're going to lose the kingdom if you don't have the right word. He, he needs to be praying. He needs to be getting some wisdom. And he goes for counsel. And he needs to make sure he says it in the right way because people will pick your words to part anyway. They will. Choosing the right words is vital. Proverbs chapter 25, verse 11. Proverbs 25, 11 uh, says this. A word... Fitly spoken is like apples of gold and pitchers of silver. Apples of gold and pitchers of silver. I'll tell you, I, I don't want to elevate myself with this statement. I'm going to share the statement with you. In our home church, I was a youth pastor, youth director, and we all we got this man that always was in opposition to the progress that wanted to be made. He's a good man in so many ways, good man in so many ways, but he would pick things apart, and that's not always bad. But he, he lost in a big battle about two years ago, and he never was happy after that. So he gets up in business meeting, and there's something the pastor brings up that they want to move forward in, and he elbows me and says, hey, let's vote against it. I said to him, why? I, I, I was just asking why. And, and then I, when I asked him why again, it was to stall. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Because I'm a kid. I'm, I'm, I'm 20 years old, and... And he's 55 years old, 50 years old, something like that. 
And I'm thinking, I, I don't want to answer this man. I, I don't want to get in a debate with this man. I don't want to be in office. I, I, I don't want to get in. Man, I've seen my dad and him go around. I don't want to go around with him. But listen, I think one of the defining points of ministry in my life and the God's calling on my life was when I looked at him and said, no. No. Now, a blind hog gets a naker every now and then. Amen? I'll say that to qualify that I was right that time. I believe God gave me wisdom. God will give you wisdom. The soft answer. Isaiah 50 verse 4 says this, The Lord God hath given me the tongue of the learned, that I should know how to speak a word in season. I could go on, but we can stop right there. Speak a word in season. By the way, speak words in season. If you are a husband, you better be speaking in the morning so you can get talked to at night. Amen? Proverbs 16, verse 24. 16:24. Pleasant words are as a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and health to the bones. Sweet words. Sweet words. Ezekiel, uh, Ecclesiastes 12:11. The words of the wise are as gourds and as nails fastened to the master's assemblies, which are given from one shepherd. Words, words, words. Words. You look at the instruction to the husband and wife in Ephesians 5. Those instructions would tell the husband, you better be talking and teaching. You better be talking or teaching or you're going to wake up one day in trouble. That's the underlying truth in that text. So, we look at Job chapter 6, verse 25. It says, How forcible are right words, but what doth your argument reprove? Forcible words, powerful words. You know, they say Reagan was a master of words. Words are important. Sometimes words need to be firm, but they should never be to belittle. Or like a wise guy. Like a wise guy. Smart aleck. You know what that word. You know what I mean when I say smart aleck. But not like a smart aleck. Now the counsel of the young men was in verse 9 and 10 11. They were insensitive words. We won't read them. I don't have time for it. They were insensitive. They were aggressive. They were militant. They were uh, youth-like. They were childlike. Right? Childlike. And it was a rejection of the leadership style of David and Solomon. And he's affirming himself when he should be humbling himself. There was no common ground in his statement. He gave no common ground. He gave no people a way out. Listen, when you got somebody in a corner, you better give them a way out. He gave them no way out. And you thought you had them right where you wanted them when you had them in a corner. Always find the common ground. Always argue from a point of common ground. An arrogant attitude will only cause things to be worse. He was told by the young men to reinforce his position. Push the people. No love in his answer. 
and he disqualified himself as leader. And God, in his mercy, allowed him to keep two tribes. Verse 8, But he forsook the counsel of the old man, which he had given him, and consulted with the young men that were grown up with him, which stood before him. There was nothing to learn from his friends he grew up with. He was not coming to them for counsel, but coming to them to make himself look good. He took that comfortable route that leads to destruction. His answer was full of pride. It was cruel. It was hard. It was disrespectful. There was a lot of wise men on that other group. And it was authoritative. But he needed to be humble. Much like the political situation that we find ourselves in America today. The answer was an entitlement answer. You're entitled and take it. Proverbs chapter 6 verse 19 warns us about sowing discord among the brethren. Be careful of it. He took the division and made it worse. Verse 13, we read that. It says, and the king answered the people roughly. And forsook the old men's counsel that they gave him. Did you hear how many times it repeats? He did not take the counsel, but answered roughly. God's trying to teach us something. The king didn't listen. And then the summary in verse 15. Wherefore the king heareth, hearkened not unto the people, for the cause was from the Lord that he might perform the saying which the Lord spake by Ahijah the the Shudamite Shudamite, unto Jeroboam the son of Nebat. Now wait a minute. You say, preacher, was it already everything laid in concrete? We don't have that view. We can't view that. I'm just saying. God knows everything and God's will always prevails. And God had told us what was going to happen. Did God say, did did the Bible say God just made a fool out of him and and just took the kingdom from him? I don't think we should view it that way. God always accomplishes his will. Listen, listen. God always accomplishes his will through the will of people. He's got an advantage. He knows the front from the back and everything in between. If Rehoboam would have answered right, this would not have occurred on that day. And it would not have been stated earlier that it would occur. And, and, and the point is we don't want to see God as mechanically engineering everything, but God knows the front from the back. Although God's will is absolute. Proverbs 15, 28. Proverbs 15, 28. It says, The heart of the righteous studieth to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pour out evil things. That's where we learn, see. The heart of the righteous studieth, thinks about to answer, but the mouth of the wicked pour out evil things. And then, Repeat in Proverbs 51, a soft answer turneth away strife, right? A soft, 15, 1, a soft answer turneth away wrath, 
but grievous words stirreth up anger. That's the lesson for us to learn. Rehoboam's answer. Rehoboam's answer was his answer. The grace of God was there. If he would have answered right, it would not have occurred then. But it turned out to be Rehoboam's loss. A divided kingdom. Verse 16. Rehoboam seeks to force, by force, to force them to come back into unity. You cannot force unity, by the way. Someone has to be under tow. And then a word from God, verse 22 to 24. It says, but the word of God came to Shemaiah, the man of God, saying, Speak unto Rehoboam, the son of Solomon, king of Judah, and unto the house of Judah and Benjamin, and to the remnant of the people, saying, Thus saith the Lord, ye shall not go up, nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house, for this thing is from me. They hearkeneth therefore to the word of the Lord, and return to depart according to the word of the Lord. The will of God prevails, which it always does. The ultimate lesson, we're all going to fail. We're all going to come short. Every king, president, and governor is going to make mistakes. Only one will be absolutely right and righteous. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let's bow our heads. You say, well, Lord, quietly stand our feet. Our musicians come just as I am, if you will. You can just play it if you'd like. No singing. You say, preacher, why doesn't God come and fix everything? Because God has laid it to be so that he has made life a testing ground for you and I. One day he'll straighten it out, but now he is full of mercy, offering people the opportunity to turn to him. If you don't know Christ as your Savior, He died on that cross for you, that you could spend eternity in heaven with Him, and you can have Him, the Spirit of God, in your heart today. I want to invite you to come. You need to come today. Let's sing that out now. Let's try it again. Decisions need to be made. You'd be feel welcome to come.